22nd annual Female Filmmakers Festival Berlin identified a variety of international films, shorts, and music videos of all genres to bring to the big screen in 2020. 66 films and music videos from 25 different countries. Wow, what a feat. Awarding 15 different categories, the festival added a green award this year and has shattered all diversity and inclusion milestones, setting a standard both in Europe and across the globe as to how all organizations should celebrate the talents of women and the underrepresented in both film and music media industries. My name is Jewel Sparks, and I am your host of this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're here with Julia Feiga, and she is the director of EVA. EVA is showing at this year's Female Filmmakers Festival in Berlin, and we are very excited uh, to talk to you today. How are you doing? Uh, thanks. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> a little bit excited about the podcast, but yeah. Yeah, I can how are you me. doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. So uh, you, you told me you were just, uh, just made it to Munich and you were really excited about that. This is like a little like semi-vacation for you, huh? Yeah, this is kind of my like um, vacation inside, outside um, Berlin, like Germany, like for Berliners, Bavaria is also kind of like um, abroad. So they speak a different language, they have different food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, actually, so, it's funny, you're there during the uh, Oktoberfest, which is not happening this year, which yeah. like, I, re I remember when I first... <laughs> I remember when I first started coming to uh, Germany from America, it was like Oktoberfest in 2002. And boy, <laughs> boy, have things changed a bit. And like, I just can't imagine Munich, Bavaria without Oktoberfest. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, it's kind of like sad, but um, I was just talking to my boyfriend yesterday. We were in a kind of like in a traditional Bavarian um, local restaurant. And we were talking like how this would be to American people because we know that Oktoberfest is like very popular among Americans. And then we kind of understood because it's... But it's not really, you know, it's not no. true. You know, I think the Bavarians actually also appreciate Oktoberfest more than Americans. I mean, like I worked, lived and worked both in... Um, Bavaria and then obviously now in uh, Berlin but also Dusseldorf and I'm telling you the people in Bavaria they take like two weeks off like literally it's like a holiday for Oktoberfest so I can only imagine how they're suffering this year I mean this is like big business for Bavarians <laughs> yeah yeah I think these are bad times for like a Black Friday for Bavaria yeah. I guess yeah it's yeah, just right. like crazy the Bavarians like every one of my Bavarian friends and the majority of my German friends are from Bavaria. I mean, they just look forward to Oktoberfest because they're like, I just know I'm going to be out of commission for at least two weeks. I mean, this, so this holiday, I'm sure they're missing it a little bit. But um, Eva, uh, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. This happened to me like the last festival. We also had a Zoom meeting and then they, yeah, they talked to me like, 
like Eva, yeah, because yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. You like I'm talking to you, but you look like an Eva versus a Julie. I don't know, but anyway, so Julia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we got. It. So, so Julia, tell us a little bit about Eva and um, what was your creative inspiration about behind it. Um, so it derives from an old idea of mine. Um, it's based upon real experiences by um, kind of um, random friends of mine who don't know each other and they all have experienced like similar um, things when they modeled for certain male photographers. And this is why I wanted to talk, I like to, to um, not to talk, but to show this in the film. I wanted to show the process the process of objectification um, in the fashion world or in this art photography world, like based upon this traditional constellation of the male artist and the female model. Um, yeah, I want to show like these dependencies and codes and uh, mechanics. And also I found very interesting that like this, I like also I, I um, used to work a lot as a photographer and um, I noticed kind of uh, kind of like a violent um, act behind shooting someone. So I always try to be very like um, responsible of what I'm how the model would feel and um, was interesting for me to read about, uh, about something that Sun Sontag said like this shooting it's the same um, in, in the German language. You say uh, "ein Fotoschießen" for yeah, shooting some, make a shooting, yeah, take a photo, and it kind of reflects this violent act to me. And this is what this is something I wanted to make people sensitive about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you say like violent acts between uh, uh, behind taking photos of people, like, can you elaborate on that? What do you mean? Do you mean like when you're a person like with the camera, like how you can control or you're the one that's controlling the environment and it's kind of, it, it kind of is like, um, there, there's a, there's a difference in like, kind of like power position, like between the person that holds the camera and then the person that is the subject of the cameraman or camera woman, or could you explain a little bit when you say the violence, the of shooting like someone via you know the utilization of a camera? I think once you are a model, um, no matter like um, how sensible or sensitive the photographer is, you get objectified and you are kind of like um, um, exposed to the to this lens to the camera and um, it depends on how the photographer photographer wants to see you like it also it always depends on the photographer's view so sometimes like friends I shoot a lot of with, with friends or like people I know closer and they say sometimes to me that, that, they, that this is my view on them. And this is already a violent thing, actually. So I don't show people like in a, 
not disrespectful way, but this can happen. This is yes. something, this is something I want to say. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think it's really interesting because, you know, like there's obviously all this stuff that's going on, like about diversity and inclusion, like whether it's at the workplace or whatever, but I think it's true. Like, uh, you know, even we talk about like uh, uh, projects getting financed and things like that. And people always say, that a lot of the times the reason things get financed or that there's support, it's based upon the lens from which the person on the other side of the table making the decision how they see it. Um, and it is, I mean, just like you and I were sitting here with our spectacles, like, you know, like it depends <laughs> on like, depending on like, if my spectacles are in the right view, if I'm seeing the right thing, like, for example, when I was trying to pronounce your name correctly, I think I accidentally saw, forgot that, that little like a uh, dash that I put above <laughs> the eye. And so it's, <laughs> I ended up saying uh, Figa instead of Figa. But anyway, the point is what I'm saying is. A lot of things are based upon a uh, viewpoint uh, to your point. Um, but I think that's like really cool. So you collaborated with your friends and other people who basically have been models in order to create um, and to direct this, uh, this piece, um, Eva. That's great. Um, so what it has in the past, for example, has uh, typically driven you to create and what fuels your passion? Is it more like topics that you hear about? Is it like, I mean, it, for example, with Eva, you said it was because you realized that you had been a photographer before and talked to some of your friends and heard their stories. I mean, is that usually what motivates you to create something? I think it's um, always very different. Like I, I think one idea develops during a long time so I kind of collect things but not um, on purpose it just happens kind of and I collect things that kind of can um, can be linked to each other in an associative way kind of like more intuitive way so sometimes it's a, it's um, like an old project like um, a photo that I've taken already so I have like a specific scene and then I start from a totally different point and um, a story creates like mostly in very visual ways because um, I'm thinking more like a photographer I think of like different scenes and a very I think it's a very complex thing that kind of um, evolves during like years and then I write the script and I uh, yeah then, yeah yeah and it, like my inspiration it it comes from also from like art history or kind of like books where I've I don't know like images that we all collect that we know like from yeah so Eve um kind of was inspired by um Eve and Adam for example and um Eve it comes from Hebrew um, and it means life. And um, I want to, to like show this um, conflict of, um, or not conflict, but this problem of the male creator um, who creates women. Like, oh yeah, from the rib. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, from the rib, yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> from the rib. It's like I, the... I, 
I find this so fascinating, you know, because I grew up in Kansas, you know, and that's the middle, the heart of America, the Bible Belt. And I, you know, everything's based on the Bible. And I had this really (laughs) interesting uh, conversation. You know, some people really take this male, female thing to like some dimension, you know, (laughs) especially those the the people in the Midwest. You know, I know a, a gentleman specifically. Uh, I won't name any names, uh, but basically who I think at one time approached me and said something like, you know, are you familiar with Genesis verse so-and-so, so-and-so? And literally it was pointing me to that particular area talking about Adam and his rib and how women are like a product of that, which then means that for the most part, you know, that the, the the dynamics are that way. And so then once you become a, a wife, yeah. you know, how it's the husband that's supposed to make the decisions. And, you know, after living in Japan and, <laughs> and New yeah. York, after leaving Kansas, or then like San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and in Germany, like sometimes, I mean, I remember this conversation and I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God, that's like amazing that like, actually, I have to have this conversation. <laughs> like this Adam Eve stuff is, this Adam Eve stuff is pretty real. Anyway, so that's interesting. So this is where and how you came up with the name Eva. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This is, that's like yeah. really, that's really great. Thanks for sharing that. You know what, and what's another interesting point is, um, one of our uh, product sponsors this year is a personalized skincare line name. It's actually Ave and yeah. Edom. <laughs> and wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is great. And by the way, you do get your own personalized skincare line. As a matter of fact, as one of the filmmakers is coming. But anyway, it's really interesting um, because your jar can be personalized. It's going to be personalized with your name. Julia on there. <laughs> but I think it's like really cool. And I was actually having a conversation with the creator actually of this uh, skincare product the other day. And I said, you know what? Um, I never really like thought about like, you know, your product. I mean, obviously everyone loves skincare and stuff, but I really don't, I personally don't use a lot of, uh, of skin stuff like uh, on my face. I said, but you know, believe it or not, what really attracted me to your brand is, and what any brand for me is the packaging and your name of Ave and Edom. Because coming from the Bible Belt, I was like, yeah, I know a lot about Adam and Eve. And so, <laughs> so anyway, so I think, so I had to do that little side note because now I kind of get what you were talking about, the objectification that maybe some men or people who are photographers in the lens that they see women through. And this is why in Eva, uh, that was, this is how this film came about. And then the experiences that you had both as a photographer, as well as some of your friends had, and then that journey. So this is, this is great. This is a good film that people, everybody should see. So I'm really looking forward to it. And who's been a big influence on your work? And why? Not just um, with Eva, not just with Eva, but in general. Yeah. Oh, so it's a very difficult question for me. Like I would, I wouldn't say that I have a, my favorite filmmaker or like an idol kind of. Um, there are films that I like very much, but 
the thing is, the way that has led me to film is very like random kind of like I only made photo did photography and then the first film kind of like came up because I accidentally <laughs> more or, uh, yeah more or less it was an accident because I wrote a script and I didn't know it I wrote the script for my first film Nesma and um, then I showed it to, to a friend of mine who was a filmmaker and an actress and she said yes this is this is a script Julia and I was oh yeah and then nothing happened like I had the script for a long time and then I found like one after one the actors and then I did the film and this is how I came to film um it wasn't meant to be actually and it was it's a, I love um, this medium very much so this is how now I'm getting more into it and um yeah <laughs> I would say for now, I think there are some filmmakers like Eric Romer, like this French uh, filmmaker, that I can identify, um, that I can identify identify with, and also I like Paranoid Park very much, like this visuals, like yes, yeah. I I couldn't identify a lot with films that have this this. Um, clear storyline this traditional storylines this is like yeah this is not so interesting for me mo like mostly i wouldn't say like every f classic film isn't something for me that's not true but yeah so yeah i, cool. I think there are a lot of influences that i don't know a, a lot about so cool you know you said you stumbled upon filmmaking so is there like a is, is filmmaking like your full-time uh, job or do you also, do you have like another job that's not as creative or it, is it also creative? Yeah, so this is a very, yeah. Um, I, now I have my coming out, like <laughs> I studied medicine, yeah. Um, and this, everything of it like happened during medicine. Um, my, my my parents were both artists. They studied art, and I was uh, um, like raised in a artist environment. And um, then my parents said, "No, please don't make any art." Like um, they didn't allow me to do that, and I kind of understood why. And then I did something like very uh, like on the like opposite. Did something very secure. And, but this wasn't enough for me. Like I needed like an artistic um, ventile and I did photography. This is how I found photography and I really like fell into it and also like film now. This is, yeah, this is. And for a year now I have finished my studies and I'm working as, an, as a doctor um, actually. <laughs> And that's that's excellent. I mean, are do you have a do you are you a certain specialty? Or are you general practitioner or or no? Which type? Um, I'm I'm specializing in. Um, so I'm not already I'm not a special a specialist yet, but I'm specializing in ophthalmology. So in eyes, eyes. Oh, nice! Oh my god! You know what? <laughs> you know what? It's so funny you say that. There's so many ties. You were a photographer. 
but then at the same time, you were, uh, you're, were uh, pursuing your medical studies. And of all things, you're going to be an ophthalmologist, which is also about eyes and vision, which also influences perception. Yeah. <laughs> so there is not, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is um, kind of like a line. Probably yeah, right. that's really interesting. I mean, and the reason I like to ask questions about, you know, because I'm also, I started out actually as a scientist myself. And I, I was in a, a immunology actually for a number of years and spent about uh, 17 years of my career bringing to market like innovative um, biologics actually for some big uh, biotech companies. And at the end of the day, I mean, at the same time, I was always very creative. So I was always writing or painting. And what I found is that um, this, uh, this, this uh, technical side along with this creative side has been something that's balanced me throughout my uh, life and my career, throughout my life and my career. And oh, it's really uh, exciting. I it's been really exciting. Uh, that that actually has happened to me. Um, and so with that being said, I think that brings us to a, the next question, which I think you'll find really interesting is like during the pandemic, how has the pandemic influenced uh, your perspective as it relates to creativity? And did it influence your creative um, passions at all? Did it fuel it, your creative passions even more? Or uh, what happened during the pandemic for you? So I had been lucky enough to have um, um, completed like two, not completed, but to having filmed two projects. So this is how I was making like the post-productions for two films um, during the pandemic. And um, yeah, so this is how I dealt with it uh, until now. Um, also, I was thinking a lot about my other um, like profession or like my profession with, uh, with like medicine, that this is kind of like not bad for these times, you know? So, um, but on the other hand, um, yeah, I think um, is this a great chance to try out more experimental um, video works, like maybe going back to the roots because a lot of films are being done with a big film crew and with a lot of money and a lot of big sets and stuff. And if you go back to the film roots and there are a lot of films where not a lot of people are involved with and they are still great like I think we have to be a little bit more um, um, like bold even like it's not bad to do a film that doesn't yeah has yeah. have these big yeah, production yeah. teams and yeah that's true. like you bad. and I right here on this screen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I think we're creating something unique too and it's really interesting like you know I think if you if you focus on kind of what your goal is versus getting all wrapped up in all the like 
the gadgets and all the people and the logistics and the budgets and you just kind of streamline your processes and really focus on bringing good stories with good people to life it's amazing what can happen you know i think it's absolutely amazing um how do you think female filmmakers and i would say also in your case practitioners uh can can shape can shape and mold uh the future um of 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 cinema but also the future i would say of um health and well-being actually <laughs> um i think um oh i hope i hope that um female cinema gives more subtleness, more wisdom kind of to cinema because like, like there is, it's, it's truly, truly um, interesting to see how, like, what is the female voice? What is the female gaze instead of the male gaze that I'm showing in my project, for example, like, like breaking through, um, yeah, the conventional or the traditions and, um, I hope that we're not reproducing the same view that we already have. Like, I hope that um, this would give um, like a more versatile cinema than that, than that, what we have. Like, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more diversity and dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, less profit oriented, I don't know, like, um, more impact, you want more impact. So you kind of believe that if people focus on more impact that by default, the profits will come. I think, yeah, this is actually good. Like it's, it would be, it would be, I think um, like, um, like money is, I think if you have certain projects and money is very important um, because you have to realize them somehow, but some, sometimes I don't think that um, like this is a, is this not how it works mostly i think um of course you need to earn money like you you need to earn money but then you orient yourself um on masses and on like common tastes and you don't think about yourself you are afraid that people won't like it and you're not trusting your own your, your, yourself you look what's working for everyone and i think it's more interesting to see like how you see certain things and and yeah make so them follow your so follow your own vision and your own gut uh, or something like that and then just go with it and yeah. not worry about what the you know it's really interesting i had an interesting conversation with uh, jack from um house it right before you actually and she's uh, sitting in LA at the moment and she actually really said the same thing she says sometimes you know you need to go with your gut and you need to follow your gut and then surround yourself with people who kind of have the same type of creative vision uh, that you do and create projects that kind of matter and that are aligned with yourself uh, versus worrying about, I like to say, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, maybe I'm also like more in the privileged way because I have like my other profession. So this is maybe also something that like. Yes, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. So you have the balance, you have the balance of like really being able to enjoy your creative, you know, have your creative outlook, but then also having a profession that's um, can generate and by default generates revenue on a regular basis. So that could help that definitely, I think is uh, influencing and can influence your perception on things. Actually, yeah, it would be so fun to do a horror film um, or like a vampire film or something, but in a very um, visually or aesthetically pleasing way, like, in a, yeah. Yeah, you know what's so funny? After talking to you for the last, like, you know, 10 minutes, I can actually see that because I can see that you're a person that's really, like, really interested in um, learning and inspiration as well as vision. Because you could probably, you know, create a vampire film and it has, it has this whole completely different meaning. It could just be like how, <laughs> how to be reborn again and actually do what you like. I can totally see you like wanting to do something like that. And it wouldn't even be dark. Like you'd be like the, behind the lens. It seemed like it was a vampire movie, but it really wasn't based upon the perspective, the perspective <laughs> that, you were, that you were focused on. So that'd be cool. So that means like maybe next year we'll see like your horror film like uh, being shown at the, the Female Filmmakers Festival. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, because yeah, I think what you told me was like during the pandemic, you were really lucky because you had uh, worked and already filmed two films. And so during the pandemic, you were working on post-production. So I can imagine you've been very busy writing and preparing for the next crisis because you probably want to film as much as possible since you'll also be shifting to your new uh, doctoral duties, uh, <laughs> treating people in their eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of like is a good, yeah, like a very realistic view, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can see you doing that in <laughs> I can totally see you doing that. Like you have a little bit of downtime where you're not actually having to practice. And then like during that time, you'll like take your like two weeks holiday and you'll be like, you know, filming and, uh, you know, like really aggressively. So then when you go back to like actually being in practice, the stuff would be in post-production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually, um, yeah, the recipe, like how I'm doing it. Yeah. At the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. That's totally true. So, what, so, okay, so with that being said, what's next for you since you know that's your recipe? So, does that mean that you've already um, started working on your next um, film? Yeah, right at the moment, I'm in the post production of um, my third film um, called Yen. Mm -hmm. um, in, it's a Vietnamese-German film um, because I'm half Vietnamese. So um, this is um, something I wanted to um, deal more with, um, with my Vietnamese identity. And yeah, it, um, I filmed it in January, January this year in Hanoi, uh, the capital of Vietnam. Um, yeah, and it's going to be uh, uh, more like probably like my first film. So more narrative, um, a short film again, and yeah, visually pleasing and also, I guess, interesting from this um, cultural perspective. Yeah. You know, I have a question for you, actually, on that note. What was your inspiration um, behind, like, writing 
that film other than exploring your uh, mixed uh, race heritage? I mean, what sparks you to want to work on that particular film at this particular time in your life? Oh, wow. This is very psychological. <laughs> You're good. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's, that's um, a little bit difficult. Like, I think I have been neglect neglecting my Vietnamese identity for a long time, like during school and also during university, kind of. Mm -hmm because I was almost only the only um, person with the other background. Like people don't really see it at, you know, when they see me, but um, it, sometimes it comes up like people like say, okay, are you, I don't know. I even had a different name at the university that sounded a little bit like sushi. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, now since two years or for two years, I have been, really feeling that there is something lacking like in this German culture this is something too broad topic but um, then I was really happy that I have a Vietnamese identity too and um, yeah and also I learned a lot about the language like I can speak actually better Vietnamese than like 10 years ago now and it's yeah it's it's a very interesting language and I noticed I, I learned a lot about myself too because I was raised by my mom, of course, who's Vietnamese. And now I understand um, why I'm like that sometimes, why mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. where, I'm, yeah. Because so you were raised by your mom. <coughs> also by my dad, also by my dad, but like. Oh, but, they're t but they're still together, right? Yeah, they're still together. Okay, yeah. but yeah. you spent more, since you spent the majority of your life in Germany, And did you, when you were growing up, did you spend a lot of time going to Vietnam or did you spend the majority of your time here? And then as you got older, you realized you wanted to, to find out more. Like what, what was that like process? And the reason I'm asking you is because, um, you know, there are some similarities. Like we were talking earlier about like, you know, when you made Eva and how it's about lens and how people see people and how they may objectify them. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, I'm a black American, but I have a lot of, uh, I'm Native American, Choctaw and Cherokee. And I think what's interesting, like, you know, I kind of have some similarities like you, you know, I grew up in Kansas. I mean, there's like hardly no diversity there <laughs> oh yeah I can see you <laughs> and then I went to you know college out east to a private school again two percent uh <laughs> diversity I'm talking about Latinos I'm talking about Asians I'm talking about blacks then my first job out of life actually after university was in Japan hello okay so I'm in Japan right. for almost three years and not in Tokyo like the Japanese countryside like you know where there was definitely literally me and the Japanese, you know? <laughs> and what I'm saying is I kind of went through the same um, type of uh, enlightenment, I think, that mm. you 
uh, actually went through. And so I'm really excited about your next film because what happened to me is when I, when I left America and I, was, I spent the first three years of my um, R&D career actually as a biologist for, at Syntex Institute of Immunology, mm-hmm. um, I started painting uh, more because I was a uh, fine arts, I studied fine arts and I was pre-med science scholar um, at my university. And what happened to me was I was in Japan away from America where I was from and able to reflect for the first time maybe of some experiences of me being the only um, black um, girl at, you know, in science and all these, you know, areas of my life and how um although you know for me it's a little bit more obvious than for you (laughs) that it's a bit more obvious that that I'm different versus you you can hide but still for me I realized that I also had put aside you know not like who I was but when I was with all the other people you know, I never could really focus or share the things that I liked about me, which was a lot of things from a cultural perspective. And so like, I find like your story, like really interesting, because I think no matter what environment you're in, and if you can gravitate towards one situation. So for me, it was like gravitating towards the fact that I was American or American in science or American in an artist. And then not really being able to talk about like the things that I like, the food that I like, or the music that I like, or the things that really make me uniquely kind of different, which kind of added to all the other things that everybody else was doing mainstream. I mean, it's like I kind of went through this area where I wanted to create and show like you. And so I think it's absolutely fabulous um, that you've come to the point where you are like embracing all that you are and realizing that that dimension is um, something to be proud of, but also something to help those around you kind of strive and in, in to integrate into their lives. So they're also more um, accepting and inclusive, actually. You know, so I'm really, really, really looking forward to your uh, to your next project. And so we'll end this uh, this um, this podcast with uh, one last question. And that question is, what question would you like to be asked or what is something that you would like to share with people that normally you don't get to share just because they don't ask you? Oh wow! This is um, like I'm really like I I'm. I, I just I'm really bad at these uh, questions. Like I'm <laughs> like ever since uh, in, in childhood, like if you have to be like very spontaneous in the like in, like similar things, I just couldn't like. Like I'm in such a pressure, I cannot, I cannot think of anything. No, don't feel the pressure. <laughs> no, it, it really is really. What do you want to share with the listeners today about like them and and, and exploring their creative? Okay, with the listeners. Uh, you know yeah. the listeners and their creative I, um, inspirations. What do you want to share with them? Give us a more. Um, um, I think you should listen more to your uh, like to yourself and don't be afraid to do something wrong like if it 
feels right, then you should go for it. And um, this sounds very like classic, but it's it's really it's really true. Like if it feels right, it it's, it doesn't it doesn't like just do it. Like it's um, it's if you do it, then it's happening. You know, like it's it's not. Like before I started filmmaking, it was um, like really like, how do you do this? Like, but then one after another thing comes. You, you need a camera, actually. Actually, you don't only need a camera, and then and your idea and and people who believe in it probably too, and then mm -hmm. you just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm gonna end on this though. First of all, I want to say I'm really happy that you're doing what you want to do. I'm really happy that you found a way to pursue this semi um, kind of expectation that what society probably expects from you, but also what you want to do yourself on a creative level. And I really am looking forward to your next film and also very excited that Eva is showing at uh, this year's a female filmmakers festival. It was such a pleasure to catch up with you, uh, Julia. And uh, we look forward uh, to spending more time with you in the future. Thanks okay. for your thank time today. Thank you for asking me um, to do this. And um, the pleasure is also on my side, I want to say, Joel. <laughs> Super. Oh my gosh. That was just one of the great stories from one of this year's female directors who were featured in the Female Filmmakers Festival of Berlin. Wow. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the insights and the highlights from the festival. And we are so grateful to all of our many sponsors who helped make this special occasion happen this year. We want to especially highlight the support we received from Jameson, Burlow, World Color Studio, McMahon Media, BitHouse Group, United 17 Ventures, Startup 42 Media, Ave and Edom, and of course, the organizing team. Without them, none of this would have been possible. And last but not least, there would be nothing on the screen if there weren't female filmmakers who decided to take a chance on themselves and tell their stories the way that they wanted to tell it. We are very grateful for their creative multi-dimension talents and also their experiences that they share with us during this podcast please visit www.fffberlin.com, submit your films, align with us, and let's continue to find and amplify the voices of female filmmakers and music masters from across the globe. My name is Jewel Sparks. Thanks for tuning in to this year's Female Filmmakers Festival Women in Film podcast. <laughs>